Hello, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Robotics. I'm your host, Nikki Rousseau, CEO and founder of Exaptic, a robotics company based in Melbourne. Our guest today is Gail Bray. Gail is the director of Wyndham Tech School, which forms part of the cluster of 10 tech schools in Victoria. Having met Gail in person, it's hard not to be affected by her enthusiasm, passion and energy. She is constantly looking at ways to challenge the students in how they view and interact with the world around them. Gail, welcome and thanks very much for making time available in your busy schedule. Thanks for having me, Nikki. It's a pleasure. So tell us, how, what was your journey in becoming the director of Wyndham Tech School? That's a really good question. Um, I actually um, started out in the, uh, the commercial world, um, in the business world, and really just um, sort of very curious about technology. So landed in um, sort of training of employees in, in tech and software um, back for companies like BP and Telstra many, many moons ago. Uh, and then as, as I transitioned um, my career because I had a young family and decided that I really wanted to get into vocational education and training and became, began teaching um, IT, but more software applications, not your um, programming coding back then, but the software applications. And yeah, over the years, I've sort of found myself um, really drawn to startup projects. So projects that include um, different different types of technology and, and projects that no one else really wants to do. So sort of like an internal entrepreneur in a lot of ways. And uh, over the years, I've worked on the startup of a textile and fashion hub. And then more recently, um, the startup of, of a cybersecurity uh, program and training centre and uh, also um, an innovation space um, in technology as well. And then early this year, um, I was fortunate enough to be um, given the role of director here at the Wyndham Tech School, which is really um, a perfect storm, I guess, of, um, of everything coming together and working with young people is, is something I'm really, really passionate about. Well, congratulations. I think you richly deserve the, um, the post that you've got. And I think, you know, for a lot of people that um, education that they, they go into it later in life, that they make it a career. It, it's, it's really a vocation for them. They, they are, in my opinion, not to say um, they're not youngsters that go into teaching that aren't excellent, but you've had actual industry experience. You know, you've been out in the corporate world, you understand it so that when you're actually talking to the kids, you know, you know what you're talking about. It's not, it's not a playground that you haven't been in. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And you know, what's fascinating is with technology is the speed of change and the ability to be able to keep yourself up to date. I don't think any um, textbook can really teach you that. So industry plays a really, really important part of that. And um, the networks that, that I have and, and the connections that I've made over the years have served us really, really well um, in that linkage. Yeah. No one can do it on their own, and particularly educators, we have to do it as a collaborative with industry, with government, with community. Um, it, it's, it's the way of the world when it comes to technology. Yeah, I think so, and as well as education, because, you know, I speak to a lot of schools that they, um, in as much as they do operate in silos, I mean, that's, that's the nature of a school. It's like a little mini or, or, organism that you sort of, everyone's got their roles there, but you don't want to get too stuck in that because there's a whole world out there, a lot, a lot of things happening. 
Um, so really, I, I like your philosophy that that it's not just you. Like you, you have industry and you've got all the partners working together. So tell yeah, me, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And the the purpose of the tax call, I guess, is is to your point. It's a really good point that you've made. The um, secondary school system is quite complex, so to be able to have these tax calls in Victoria, um, it enables teachers to come and be upskilled in STEM education uh, that they wouldn't be able to maybe afford to do back at their schools or have the um, scope of um, teachers with the skills to keep up to date. So the tech schools really um, are, are a link now to, to the schools in that space to break those silos down, I guess. Yeah, fabulous, absolutely wonderful. So with COVID, like what, what's a typical day now for you and your staff? Yeah, so we, at the end of March, um, we had a couple of weeks to um, transition our programs to remote delivery, just as all the secondary schools had to transition. And so what we did, we actually took um, some of our more <clears throat> popular programs that we were delivering in the face-to-face -face context and, and we moved them into remote delivery in partnership with our teachers. So for example, we had just commenced a cybersecurity um, program and we turned that into a masterclass and we got an industry person involved to help co-design with our teachers. And the teachers are just so dedicated that they actually worked in the term break to enable us to adapt this program. So we were able to um, go live uh, with the secondary schools when they returned in term two with our remote delivery with all the challenges that all of us had faced um, with the technology. So the technology that the kids had at home, the teachers being upskilled and those first few weeks were really, really challenging. So a typical day for, for us now is, is just everything's via Zoom. Um, what we really wanted to do though was to sort of um, put some some light and colour, I guess, into what we were doing. And we did that through um, bringing in um, special events. So we had like a people and pandemic speaker come in. So she was a, a doctor in, in the science space. She came in and, and spoke about pandemics and what it means in society. We had a, um, a robots and society speaker come in. We had a speaker from Amazon. So we tried to bring in events to sort of um, bring to life the programs that the teachers we're delivering um, and we could do that in a remote way and again um, drew on my industry um, contacts to to run panel discussions to really um, help the teachers out because it, it, it becomes very lecture style and not all teachers um, are able to engage in an online um, remote mode for a long period of time and our students are getting really really fatigued so our role really was to come along and support our, our teachers during this time. Listen, you know, um, I come from a long line of teachers, so I, I think you're the most wonderful species on earth, if you want my opinion. I think you should immediately all get double your salaries. Um, I think it's the most <laughs> underpaid job. Um, if, I, if I look at, my sister's a vice principal in South Africa. She works, she's from oh. seven to seven. She just works, you know, and, and I, I, you know, there's, this fallacy out there because you're teaching you just you know you have all these holidays listen if you didn't have those holidays you couldn't be teachers like you simply couldn't do what you were doing so um i mean kudos for you for recognizing that your staff needs the support um like students need support but staff mostly need support and teachers because otherwise they're frontline and i i think um you know the toll it's taken our teachers COVID on our teachers across australia 
you know, as I can say, just hats off to all of you out there for doing an absolutely fantastic job. Mm. Yeah, and the, and the parents too, um, some of the parents and yeah, just the motivation. I think the motivation is key, has been key and I take my hat off and kudos to the parents because they definitely had their work cut out for them. Oh, that's nice of you to say. I'm sure they, they all think, oh, they can't wait for school to go back. Now they know why their teachers complain about their children because they've actually had them at home. But I <laughs> will leave that there. <laughs> so tell me, we touched on the tech school. So we've got 10 in Victoria. So how do you all integrate with each other and sort of leverage of each other? That's a really good question. We, um, there's 10 tech schools, so there's 10 directors. So we have um, a network where we meet up um, every couple of, of weeks. We've been doing that regularly through Zoom. And then we also have um, each term, there's a big director meeting and the Department of Education and Training is, is a part of that as well. And really it's to, um, to sort of draw off each other's um, expertise and to understand what each tech school is doing. Um, and then from an innovation point of view to really start thinking about introducing what's next. Um, amazing group of people, very collaborative um, and really um, focused on, on doing what's right in this space. It's quite a complex space because we are hosted by a university or a TAFE and we operationally are funded by the Department of Education and Training. And then of course, some of us have 10 partner schools but some of us have up to 34 I have 34 partner schools and they are all governed by principals and different um, governance structures as well so it's a really complex um, model so this directors network and how we all integrate together has been um, pivotal really in us being able to get traction in the STEM space it's amazing. So as I understand, it was lost or was it 2019 when the last tech school was built? So you've all been up and running for like at least a year and a half, two years, some a little bit more. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I have to ask this, 10 directors, um, what's the male-female equation? Yeah, that's a good, yeah, another good question. It's about 50-50 and different different backgrounds. So some come from more of an industry background, some are from the secondary school uh, system, some are from the university and TAFE system. So it's a really diverse uh, group of um, people and we're definitely well represented from um, a male to female ratio, which is really good to see actually, and particularly to be seen as leaders in this space. Yeah, that's excellent. So you mentioned you've got 34 schools, which is on the high side. I mean, um, I know Yarra Valley's got about 20 and I think all um, clusters have different ones. How many kids come through your, through the test school on any given day, pre-COVID? So we, the 34 schools um, equates to about just over 22,000 students. So from year seven to 12, yeah. we're at capacity, we can hold about 100 to 140 on any given day. And so I've only been in the role, as you know, um, six months. So before COVID, we'd have up to 100 on any given day come through um, five days a week. That's quite a challenge to keep that amount of kids. So I'm assuming you're all very organised and you all know what you're doing. So when they come to this tech no. school, <laughs> Gail, that's yes. It's always yes. <laughs> um, for instance, now, um, like your, your um, how long is it? Is it like a day thing that they come in for or is it like a whole program that they come and do at one go? 
Yeah, so they can um, come in for three hours at a time or um, six hours, so, so a day. Most of our schools come in for four to five hours um, and they some, sometimes do over three days. So we might have a program, a robotics program, for example, that might um, have some pre-work and some post-work and then they come in and, and do this sort of um, more advanced work with us. It just really depends on the program. One of our most popular programs has been what we call the Tech Taster, the Industry Tech Taster Days. And that's really where the school, where the, the students are coming in to be exposed um, to what's next. So it might be around AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning. Uh, it might be around automation and the impact of automation on the future of work. So it's just really bringing them up to speed. We might have um, an industry person um, as part of the, the taste today talk about um, employability skills and what they're looking for in the tech industry and where the future of jobs is. Um, we'll have stuff around design, so um, using Adobe, and then we might have stuff around CAD, so Fusion and, and looking at the CAD to 3D print. So the Tech Taster Days is really what gets the, the students excited. Um, and then from there, there, a program will fall out of that and they might come back to do some, some Python, for example, programming, some more advanced programming and things like that. So we're still in the early sort of stages of building programs and we do that in partnership with our teachers okay so Wyndham and Hobson's Bay like what geographical area is that if I mean that sounds it's like if I said to people Yarra Rangers I've got no idea how big it is but like basically what suburbs does it cover yeah so we're in the west Melbourne's west so Wyndham um, covers a sort of everything from um, Hoppers Crossing to Point Cook to Tarnate, right out to Werribee. Um, we've Hobson's Bay, we've got Altona and Williamstown and Laverton. So we're the fastest growing um, corridor in, in Australia at the moment, one of them, um, particularly in, in, in Melbourne. So we're growing at a rapid, rapid pace. And our next partner school is Geelong. So we do everything really from um, sort of Williamstown as you come over the bridge um, in the west right up to uh, Geelong. So out, even um, out to Lara. So we cover that sort of area. Yeah, it's huge. So it's big. So mm -hmm. your focus is to connect um, the kids with futuristic technologies and training that will prepare students for the jobs of the future. I took that off your LinkedIn thing. I love that. I need to get something that well, beautifully articulated. Tell us about your robotics program now, particularly that what we're interested in. How does this all put together? So the robotics really is what I, what I call the hero of the tech school. And the reason being is that automation is, is what we're going to see impact the future of work. So the robotics um, area that we're going to be looking at um, is, and I haven't created all the pro, like the programs actually are still under development, so I just want to make that clear. So at the moment, we did, with COVID, what we did was um, a pilot. So we had some small, small robots, some JD robots that had uh, visual recognition, expression recognition and block coding. And we actually delivered them to 100 kids um, during COVID. And we started to experiment with giving them um, a challenge uh, to come up with an idea to work in um, the Royal Children's Hospital like like as a kiosk so they were the robot was was the kiosk so we're through this pilot um, what we learned was there was huge take up by the school so this is obviously recognized a massive gap and then bringing that back to the tech school with what we're trying to do with collaborative robots um, and what we're trying to do with really looking at how do, how do young people get exposure to 
the different types of robotics, so construction robotics and social robotics, but more importantly, how do they actually learn um, to work with them together? So that's the future, because it's really about um, everything connecting. So if we take a step back and we think about the internet of things, everything will be connected. And then underpinning that is, is cybersecurity to sort of protect everything. So the robotics program is going to really start from an introductory level, so year seven, so just basic introduction to scratch programming. Um, we use other block coding platforms such as Choreograph, but where we really get, get into um, uh, the strength of in the future of work is really in your Python programming. And the reason why this is so important, it's not just important for robotics, it's, it's important because it goes across lots of platforms. So when you look at websites, for example, everything needs coding. You look at apps, it needs coding. You look at um, CMS systems and CRMs, the back end is all coding. So that's why the robotics program is, and the space is going to be set up in a way that it's the hero of the tech school. So more importantly, um, with our industry partnerships, what we'll be looking at, for example, if we're working with um, a hospital, is how do the students come up with an idea for the robot to interact with the patient? Or it could be how do they come up with an idea to move product from one end of the hospital to the other? It could be how do they come up with a program to um, minimise um, back injuries in nurses, so lifting um, heavy waste or um, even patients into the future. So they're going to have this massive um, opportunity to come in and work on real world and solve real world problems and then be introduced to whatever robot is going to solve that problem. And it might be a humanoid robot, but it might be a construction robot. So that's um, under development at the moment, and it's been piloted, as I said, through through COVID. We've been able to do that in a remote mode. So we've got a team of six teachers working with us. Listen, it's fantastic. I know that you also um, you attended a roadmap for the robotics of Australia workshop. Um, I definitely think you need to highlight to to you know when you when you touch base with her the work that's been done because. If this has been done at some level across Australia, the introduction of robotics and the value that it brings um, economically to the country, it's, it's not um, for kids that have had no experience. And when I've finished this, that I'll ask you, the, how do the kids actually, when they get there, what is their first experience about robotics? Do they know anything about it? Or is that literally the first time that they've been exposed to robotics? So for some, that they may have had a little bit of exposure because even in primary school now, we're starting to see Scratch being introduced and then depending on the, on the secondary school. So you might have an independent school that has more funding so they're able to get access and you might have some government schools that might not have the funding. So every single school is at different levels and that's a challenge in itself. So some of the teachers, for example, they might be running STEM programs in the school or they might be running digital technology curriculum in the schools. So they may have introduced them to coding. What we need to do um, when we're working with our partner schools and our teachers is to ascertain the level that those students are at and then work out where we can add value or extend. So it might be that they're learning a little bit of um, programming, but they don't have access to the humanoid robots or they don't have access to the um, EV3 robots that we have or the construction robots that we have. So, um, our role really is to work with the schools, identify the gap. They may do a little bit of pre-work at the school, but then when they come into us, we're actually extending them and giving them access to these 
to this equipment that they that the schools can't afford um, back at the school. So it's really to build on the good work of the schools, but to extend them and excite them and bring industry in to be a part of the, um, the equation and the story. Um, and that's why our, our model, which is to support secondary schools, community and industry, is so important in getting that engagement and also the aspiration. So um, I don't know if you've heard of the saying Imagineers, and it's really where you get the creatives and the engineers coming together and they create Disneyland or products that you see in Disneyland. And, it's, and it shouldn't be um, gender specific or it shouldn't be like that because you know you get creative people together with with technology people and engineers and industry and community and you can create magic and excitement and and these young people then get um a sense of of what's possible uh, and not all of our young people get that opportunity so that's what's so exciting about our robotics program and also the Wyndham Tech School. Yeah listen I mean you you've obviously got like a really important part to play in the connection between the schools and then like further on for kids going to university. So just touching back on the schools again. So when, obviously all the schools have got different funding and, and private versus government, but if are the schools open to you mentioning like um, X, Y, and Z around the corner from you is doing this or do the schools collaborate or are they, are they pretty much silos? No, look, that's another point, a good question. It's the point of the tech school is how do we bring all the teachers together from across all the different schools? And we're seeing that happening with the pilot program that we ran um, uh, that I mentioned where we delivered the robots to, out to our students. So we had six schools involved in that program from all different um, areas of the LGA, and they are all working together um, on the curriculum moving forward to design and develop our um, robotics program because what we want to happen is the robotics program sits in the delivery cycle of a school so for example you know they might have six weeks on a digital technology program weeks one to three is done in the secondary school and maybe week three and four is done here in the tech school and they go back and they finish it um, in the secondary school so it's really important that what we're building is a sustainable embedded model this is not not a come and have a taster and then off you go this is something that needs to be sustained and why that's so important is because our teachers um, many of them don't have the digital literacy that they need also to pass on to the future generation um, so it's really important that our teachers are heavily involved in the design and then potentially take over the delivery um, moving forward well, I suppose like being an educator, there doesn't come a point where you go, okay, this is my subject matter and it's finished now. Like it just doesn't work like that anymore. You, you're not, um, you don't, you need to be across everything. You don't need to be a specialist, but certainly you do need to know. You need to know what coding is. Um, you know, and I, I mentioned to you, we, we had a school that we did a, a professional development workshop that I think 5% of the, the staff were um, STEM related and the rest were just, you know, they were just other teachers and other subject matters. And it was actually quite daunting for them to come and sit down and, um, you know, build this little robot and, and get it coded so that it can move. But let me tell you, the sense of achievement that they felt once they had done that, it, it's there's no price that you can put on that, that you can say you can teach an old dog some new tricks because there were, you know, teachers ending towards the end of their career um, that came to the workshop. So 
I, I think they just left there. I could see them. They were beaming, you know, that they, they could go and tell their grandkids, well, they actually assembled a little robot that they coded that could drive. So, Yeah, and that's so important um, that, that there's that um, disruption happening because you can see what's happened with COVID. We've all had to use Zoom and, you know, many of teachers six, um, three months ago would never have known what Zoom was. And here we are today all actively participating in Zoom. So you can teach, you know, um, anybody anything really. It's just um, the ability to have the, the curiosity to keep learning. Well, I think, you know, like, I, I think as you age, you, um, I've been reading about like, you know, continuous learning. And I think part of the, the issue is that as we age, we, we fear making fools of ourselves because, you know, like you, you're supposed to know everything. But I know that's not your, your credo there, but um, honestly, I think that's got a lot to do with the resistance of people taking on new things because you go, and of course you have to practice, you know, you have to read and read and read and you like initially, it, you know, you just go, oh, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. But, you know, once you become familiar with it, the more you do it, the better you get at it. So I think what we should do in for schools is we should have little mentors for the teachers and getting them up to scratch with all the latest IT things and check all these WhatsApps and whatever else. Because I mean, it, it's developing <laughs> so fast. So, um, so talking now, your industry collaboration out in the West, like who, who do you have involved in the tech school? So with, um, special projects we have city west water yeah. so we have a city west water pop-up and we um, are supported uh, through city west water with innovation and in how we introduce um, water recycling uh, for example but what's happening in drone technology in in this space so we're introducing virtual reality as well to go into spaces confined spaces and areas that you wouldn't normally go into um, and then building on that we've got another collaboration with the um, Wyndham City Council around smart cities. So looking at what, um, how we were, how um, particularly the Internet of Things is going to work and, and managing um, a smart city with, with water as well as, as part of that. And then what do we do with the data? So a big part of it will be around obviously data analytics and the power of data and making decisions um, for the sustainability of, of a city. And then building on to that, we're, we're obviously quite um, in market gardens here, farming and agriculture out here in the West. So then how do we look at supporting smart farming and what that means to the future? So those three major sort of projects. And then building on that even further, it's um, the tech companies that we have involved are companies like through um, Microsoft and, and Google and Optus and Trustwave and Splunk we have um, relationship with. So it's really because we're such a global economy now. It's we can build we can bring in our experts from all around the world and and we're lucky enough that we we get really really good support and well well supported through our contacts. So um, that's something I'm really excited about building on further. Oh, it's fabulous. And I think, you know, kudos again to you because you need to know the people to do it. You know, like you need to build up a network. Just speaking of drones, do you know that there's going to be um, a drone conference in Brisbane on the 11th and 12th of November? Um, it's scheduled to go ahead. So pop that in your diary. Um, they actually... Yeah, drone conference. And um, it's run by Dr. Catherine Ball and an associate of hers. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I think, 
all other drone conferences have been cancelled across the world and they're going ahead. So they, that, well, obviously, fingers crossed with COVID and everything, but um, yeah, it's going ahead. So we, we can chat about that later as well. Now, um, yeah, there's so much happening. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, so um, what makes you excited about, uh, about our youth today? Like, I mean, you, you're seeing them come in and out of your TAFE school, you know. Um, I, th I think for some people, you know, their parents can just go, oh, my child's never off their phone and, you know, you never get them to look up. But, but you know, the, this is our next generation. I think um, they are just so adaptable in, in their thinking. Um, you know, they can listen, they can have iPods in their ears, they can be working on something. They can do three, they can multitask, they can do three or four things at once and they have that ability just to pick up. So they, they have no fear, um, for example. So you give, you give, you know, a young person a bit of technology and they're not afraid to have a go and break it and push a button or, or and are really curious about it. Um, so they they're able to adapt to technology a lot quicker um, and to new ways of thinking and, and new and new ways of doing things. And also, I think what's really exciting is just that whole collaboration and diversity. So when we look at um, young people in Wyndham, so diverse, lots of different backgrounds, um, lots of different experiences, and you bring all that together and you and you work in these on these projects and these these collaborations, and that's what 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 keeps me going and keeps me excited because they're so curious and fearless around what's possible and funny and you know they they just are really inspirational in a lot of ways um, and they keep us on our toes so you know it's almost like we've got to keep in front of them which is really really challenging um, with the access they have to to find things but they'll just YouTube something and they'll find the answer so our role is more to really act as um, the bridge and the link and bringing all the parties together so they get to experiment and they get to, to break things and they get to understand um, what's possible because Australia really needs to, to understand that we can be really, really innovative, but we've got to allow <coughs> the space for that to happen. Yeah, and we have to support it as well. We have to support the entrepreneurs and the innovators out there. So um, in, in terms of skill sets with kids, like is there... You know, you've mentioned coding. That's obviously something. It's good if they've been exposed to it at least. What What else do you think going in the future? What's important for them? Well, I think it's more the the soft skills. I mean, we hear that word thrown around all the time, but it's really that ability to work um, collaboratively and to to really be a good communicator. So communication skills. So what I often say to young people is ability to take something complex and make it really simple and present it in a simple way um, is going to be the skill uh, that they really, really need. So working, working in device, diverse groups, communicating, being able to present, being able to take something quite complex and, and, and make it simple for, 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 the, for your colleagues or workers or whatever. So those non-technical skills um, are really becoming more, and industry will tell you that. They all say we can teach the technical, but we can't teach good communication skills and, and positivity and um, drive and 
time management and curiosity, like the things that um, are going to make businesses compete in the 21st century is less about the technical and more about, more about the non-technical. Yeah, I suppose it's a good habit that you create from a young age, you know, whether you feel like it or not, you get up in the morning and you make your bed and you, um, you get out there and you, you, you put your stuff away and get yourself organized. I mean, it sounds so simple. And I love harping on about this because I tell my children the same thing. I go, is your, is your bed mate? This has been like, they should just put me on like auto, auto record in the morning. Is your room tidy? Because I go, if your room's not tidy, you can't do anything. Don't come and tell me. I, I just don't believe you. Just get your room tidied up. So, um, so your credo um, of not having all the answers, that's quite an interesting one for an educator. I mean, it's perfect, but like a lot of educators, I think would go, well, they do have all the answers, but I don't see in today's world, like they, you just can't have all the knowledge. How's that served you? Yeah, look, I think it's um, that that feeling of to trust your instincts and, and not to um, fear failure. And the environments that I've worked in, um, it's allowed me to to connect with the right people, um, understand what's coming, and then translate it into an educational setting. So obviously there's there's risk, but it's also about um, mitigating the risks involved. So for example, when we took out the robot coding program challenge out to the schools, like I knew that it wasn't going to be perfect. I knew that there was going to be challenges around um, technology at their end, how the how are our facilitators going to be able to facilitate via Zoom, what how are we going to troubleshoot each individual student when they're behind a PC? And all of those um, problems were, were glaringly obvious. But I guess my point was it's we just have to try it and learn from it and expose young people to disruption in, in this sense. And and what they learn from that is you're not always going to have the answers in the workplace. So you're not always going to be at school or at home or at work and have the answer to how to solve a problem. But these young people got the robots, they got them working. Yes, it was frustrating. Yes, some of them, you know, the bandwidth was no good. And yes, our facilitators were getting frustrated, but we had to give it a go. And what's come out of it is this magic program and experiences that these young people have had um, and been able to get the robot to do what they wanted to do in really tire, you know, trying circumstances. So you've got to be able to um, not get everything perfect. And I think Steve Jobs said it when he threw out the iPhone many years ago. I think it was only 70% where he wanted it to be. And it's like the market will tell you, you know, people, the feedback is what's so important and continue, continuously improving. So as educators, if we think we've got all, all the answers, then we'll, you know, we're kidding ourselves and you will stop innovation and you will stop growth if, if that's your, your attitude. So I guess, yeah, I mean, you just got to, I guess, you know, understand that, yes, there is a risk, but the risks have got to be worth taking because the magic happens. Um, I agree with you. I, I completely agree with you. I think like the saying, don't let uh, pro perfection stand in the way of progress. And, you know, I think part and parcel, um, I think a little bit of the generation that we're dealing with is um, everything's via text, you know, like they, they're terribly scared of saying anything wrong. Everything's sort of looked at 20 times before they send it. But life isn't like that. Life is messy. You offend people. Like you, you say the wrong thing and you, you have to fix it because obviously it's inadvertent. You didn't mean to do it, but you know, like we, this is just life. Yeah. And 
um, these are skills that, that we have to learn and um, it's not easy. And yeah, I agree with you. I think it's fabulous. Like just get out there and do it. Like if, you know, if it's a, if it's a failure, it's, it's your lesson you've learned. And I don't actually consider anything to be a failure. It's more, well, there's one more way of not doing something. Yeah, and it's the feedback is so important. Like, you know, that feedback, that real life feedback, not a, oh, let's do a survey, but it's action feedback. It's yeah. like, oh, the bandwidth for this student didn't work, but the block code for this student, he, he managed that, and then the, the sensors didn't work for this student. But, I mean, our facilitators are even learning from that. So when we roll out version two, it's going to be even better. But if we had done nothing during COVID, we wouldn't have had all the learning experience that we've now got to draw on to make the programs for term three um, even better. And yeah, the feedback well, from the students had, was really, really positive um, around the fact that they were proud of themselves when they got something to work that they didn't think would work. Oh, it's fabulous, man. Like any sense of achievement, you're, you know, the kids' self-esteem, their self-confidence, um, that's what you want with kids you want them to have skills so that they've got the self-confidence to go out in the world and do the things that they can they and skills across all boards you know whether it's cooking it's mowing lawn like across everything you know it's not gender based you, you have a skill that you've got and you go from there so now personally have you have you had a mentor in your life what do you think of mentors do you think this is something important to have Oh, look, yeah, definitely. Um, many, many and very diverse um, and from tech, from in the tech world and in the, in the um, education world. But, you know, when you're working in innovation, um, <clears throat> actually one of my mentors said this to me, he goes, the area that you work in, Gail, is, is it's futuristic and it's innovation and it's quite a highly stressful space to always be working in. Um, and, he, and even that in itself I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I, never, I don't really look at it like that, but I guess a lot of people would. Um, so the, my mentors were, have been able to sort of help guide me, um, be really good sounding board. Uh, I wouldn't be where I am today without, without my mentors. Um, and I've, I say to all my young students that the, the first thing, the best thing you can do is, is get your LinkedIn profile set up, you know, get into your industry bodies, go to your meetups, Start making those connections and you will, and then keep going throughout your life because particularly the space that, that I work in, I, like in, like I said, I don't have the answers. So what do you do if you don't have the answers? You, you're going to connect with people that, that will help you get to um, where you are. And in my previous role, I had to set up the cybersecurity training centre. Did I know anything about cybersecurity when I started? So I drew on my contacts and my mentors and... Um, they were able to, to, to fill that skills gap that I'm talking about, the, not the technical, and then it was the non-technical that I guess um, that I was able to apply uh, to, to actually get, it, get the projects across the line. But, but they've just been, yeah, I, I couldn't speak better and I couldn't advise anyone, particularly young people, to get those mentors as soon as you can. So any um, career or life advice you'd like to share with our listeners in closing? Mm, I guess it's just um, have a bit of fun with it. Um, I think we're, we're all in a very serious, um, highly anxious space at the moment with not knowing, um, talk about not knowing what's coming next. Well, guess what? None of us actually know what tomorrow's going to bring or next month or even towards the end of the year. So I guess it's just having a, a great sense of humour. Surround yourself with positive people. Like I think I get my energy from positive people. 
um, you know, there's always going to be the naysayers, but try and really surround yourself with those people that are positive and going to give you a little bit of a push. Um, and don't be afraid to fail because that's how you learn. And yeah, if I look back at my younger self, um, and particularly young woman now, when I when I'm thinking about the space that we're in um, with STEM and we have a low low uptake of, of young women coming into these careers, it's just um, having people around them to actually give them confidence as well. And I see the role of mentoring and role models as, as really, really important um, in this space. So, yeah, I think it's just a matter of just having a crack. Oh, just brilliant. I think it's brilliant advice. Um, Listen, it's been an absolute delight talking to you. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Um, if anyone's out there listening and you would like to be on the podcast yourself or you know someone that you would like me to interview, please do contact me um, and please do leave us some feedback. And um, wishing you all a wonderful day. <laughs>